everyone. Welcome to an episode of Uncanny Tracks where we pit the two new, new, new superhero movies against each other. That's right. Two white guys are going to talk about the two ethnic superhero movies, The Marvels and Blue Beetle. I Bob, who Bob better to talk about it? Who better to talk about it, Matt? Who better? Uh, so I am Bob from Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Doing okay, Bob. And I want to go ahead and preface for the audience that I did not watch The Marvels. The original idea was Bob was going to watch the Marvels and he was going to tell me about the, the movie, which he's going because to do. Because Matt is cheap and doesn't like to go see movies in theaters. Right. And I can wait another like five days and it'll be on Disney Plus, which, wait a minute, aren't you on my Disney Plus subscription, Bob? <laughs> I am on your Disney Plus subscription, Matt. But I also, I think the only really acceptable way to see a big dumb superhero movie is on the big screen. The actual big screen, not my somewhat big TV, but the actual big screen. Yeah, so Bob was going to watch the Marvels, and I noticed that Blue Beetle dropped on HBO Max. Which was, who cares? Yeah, I was too cheap to see that in theaters as well, but I kind of had an inkling I kind of wanted to see it because of Young Justice. And you can listen to our uh, podcast about Young Justice on Patreon. Visit us there. X-Men 92 versus Young Justice. X-Men 97 is the sequel. Right, that's that's coming out soon. We'll be covering that as well. But getting back to what I was saying, Blue Beetle, Young Justice... Wanted to see what they would look like and what he would look like in movie. And, uh, you know, it was all right. And I told Bob, I said, this isn't that bad of a movie. So Bob then decides that he wants to watch it on his own. Want is a strong word, Matt. Bob needed to watch it on his own. That's an even stronger <laughs> word. Bob, Bob felt vaguely like a bum if uh, he didn't watch this movie and then had Matt describe the plot at, at him when all he had to do was log on to his other friend's Max account and watch the stupid movie. So that... I sort of watched it. And there you go. So originally this was going to be more of a, until Bob tells me about Marvels, I tell him about Blue Beetle. We go our separate ways, maybe try to convince each other to watch the film. But not, now, not so much. Bob's just going to try to convince me to watch the Marvels, and he's probably going to bitch about Blue Beetle. I, I didn't dislike it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right. But, we'll do. You want to do the Marvels first and then Blue Beetle? Of course, Bob. Let's go straight into the Marvels. Let's talk about that. All right. So uh, I don't know that, I'm not like going to sit here and like tell you you have to see the Marvels or anything, Matt. That would be ridiculous. Of course you don't. Uh, it's pretty essential, as, as are all of these movies. And by that, I mean all superhero movies. Uh, but I liked it. Um, I think it's short, silly, and heartfelt. All those are, you know, pretty good uh, emotions. I'm honestly really worried that the negative reactions online and I guess that the box office are going to teach Marvel all the wrong lessons from this. Like... The lessons of this movie ought to be that you can throw characters together, you can have them do silly things, and it'll be fun, and it doesn't have to be deeply tied into continuity. But because this, it seems like this hasn't done well, probably the lesson is going to be like, no, everything has to be serious. Nothing can ever deviate from the boring MCU template, and you need Robert Downey Jr. in every movie. And so I, I, you know, I want the MCU to fail because I'm tired of it, but. I know it's not going to go away, and so I think this movie failing instead of something like Ant-Man 3 or Black Panther 2 is a bad sign, if that makes sense. Oh, I agree 100%, Bob. I have not been interested in the Marvel properties as of late. Until they drop X-Men, I'm kind of going to shy away from it. I'm going to keep up with it like I keep, I'm going to keep up with it like the same way I keep up with wrestling, Bob, through this podcast with you and through news sites <laughs> that just yeah. spoil everything for me anyway in the headlines. Nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, I mean, speaking of fair. which, we are we will be spoiling both these movies completely. Yeah. So if, if you haven't watched them and you plan on doing it, watch it now. 
And speaking of the X-Men, uh, after Matt gave the spoiler warning, there's a lot to say about the X-Men and Marvels, so, which we'll get to in just a second. So, yeah, I guess the quick thing, Matt, would be it's uh, it's a good introduction to Monica Rambeau and Miss Marvel. So, you know, there, there you have it. Bob, uh, pretty sure that both those characters debuted in different series. Yeah, they did. But come on. I mean, in Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau is a kid, so that doesn't count. I totally forgot she was in WandaVision, Matt. I didn't remember. And that includes in this movie, they referenced that she apparently gets her powers in WandaVision. Yeah. It totally flew, flew by me. I was like, uh, maybe that was something in Secret Invasion. I watched WandaVision, but I don't remember this. You trying to tell me, Bob, that you didn't remember everything that happened in the 16-hour-long epic of uh, WandaVision, Miss Marvel, and Captain Marvel movie? I definitely didn't remember anything from Captain Marvel because, like, there's a lot of scroll stuff in this movie, too, that I thought was from Secret Invasion, which I didn't watch. But Oh, yeah, I, I left Marvel. that one out, too, as well. I'm sorry. I meant Secret Invasion as well. <laughs> well, I, I, now I don't know if you actually need to have seen Secret Invasion to see this movie because it sounds like all the scroll stuff was in Captain Marvel, so I don't, I don't know, man. I don't remember. I saw it in theaters when it came out. What can I say? Um, yeah, no, I don't remember WandaVision. And I do remember Miss Marvel, the series. And I really like um, the actress who plays Miss Marvel and her family. I just didn't think the series was very good because it was a six-hour origin movie. And that's pretty unnecessary. Yeah, and I feel like that's... I don't know if Marvel's going in that direction now where they're trying to introduce these lesser-known characters through TV series and try to throw them into bigger movies. I, I, after this, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be the plan, but I think that may have been the original one. Yeah, which is weird because it's like... Miss Marvel is not harder to explain than like Iron Man or Thor. You can just put her in a movie, you know? And Monica Rambo, Bob, I have no idea. I watched One Division as well. I do remember her getting some kind of powers in that in that series, but I, I don't know enough to really understand it. So we're a week out, and it's like hard to explain. But I would say that the movie does a decent job of like, even though all three of the Marvel's powers are pretty ill-defined, and I can't even remember what they were a week later. That said, it, in the movie, they do a pretty good job of differentiating the three's powers, if that makes sense. Okay. Because so in the trailers, I, I was under the assumption that they all got the same power or something, and that was the issue. I didn't understand that that was connected somehow. <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand it. The, if the trailer's that confusing for me, it's 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 going to be It's actually, trouble. the trailer, I think, was confusing. And the trailer also kind of gave me the impression that they were going to do, like, a Freaky Friday situation. Yes. Like, yeah. But that's, that's not really what goes on. Uh, so, Matt, would you like to read a plot summary <laughs> to our audience? Sure, Bob. I would love to read a plot summary to our audience. <laughs> and as I go through it, I'm going to probably butcher some things, and you just make fun of me. Here I'll we go. I'll correct you as, as you go. And you feel free to comment as you go. Some lowly Cree lieutenant now rules the Cree, and she wants to restore Hala and take revenge on Captain Marvel. So she decides to steal resources to replenish Hala's environment from three worlds that are important to Captain Marvel. The first, the Kree dig up a quantum band from the dark side of the moon. Okay, so does this have any... The dark side of the moon, is that special in Marvel Comics in any way, Bob? Yeah, Matt, you read, you read the Dark Phoenix Saga, right? Oh yeah, I did, and, that, and that's going to fit in there maybe somehow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because hey. the trial for the Dark Phoenix takes place in the blue area of the moon. And uh, which is a, an abandoned Cree outpost. So it seems like they're maybe trying to seed that. Oh, yeah. Commence with the skeeting. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Number two, the Cree steal atmosphere from the Scroll refugee world. 
Okay. Number three, the krill still ocean from a Bollywood Kree, world. Not the krill. The krill are different. So, oh, the krill. Sorry. The Cree still ocean from a I can't a remember Bo- what the krill are, but I know there's something else. Aren't they a fish or something? I don't know. The Cree still ocean from a Bollywood world where Captain Marvel is in a diplomatic marriage to the prince. Okay, that seems far-fetched. I do not remember that in the trailer, Bob. Yeah, they. I think they were afraid of... Well, on the one hand, I mean, clearly it's designed to, you know entice like moviegoers in India and Pakistan and Indian American and Pakistani American viewers. But that, no, I don't think that showed up in the, uh, in the, in the trailer. It, it was basically just an excuse to have like Bollywood style dance scenes. I mean, it, it probably sounds dumb to you, but it was fun and charming and it's the sort of random stuff superhero movies ought to do instead of, you know, just nebulously firing energy at each other and grunting. Although this movie has plenty of that too, so that's what we pay for, Bob. We pay for the for the shooting and grunting. Uh-huh. Just kidding, I don't. <laughs> so okay. number four, the Cree steal energy from Earth's sun. Oh, okay. These four incidents give you the big set pieces. During the first incident, the unearthing of the quantum band by the Cree, the powers of Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, and Miss Marvel get entangled. So whenever two of them use their powers at the same time, they switch places. Okay, that's what Does I got that make from sense? the trailer. Okay, then yeah, you got you got it. That's the gimmick. To some degree, I knew that they were like flip flopping into each other's homes and stuff, and like yeah, one was out in the yeah. middle of space, and then like, they got flip flopped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So over the course of the movie, they like get more used to the situation, and they actually like start training to use it to use it strategically, et cetera. Oh, et cetera. to use it to their advantage. Yes. It's yes. kind of like some badass, like you know how in video games you can like switch out the characters, like in fighting games. Maybe. Oh maybe yeah, yeah. I kind of reminds me of that. that but... yeah. Well, the other thing is I, I haven't read, I've read a lot of Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel comics, but I've not read a lot of the guy who was Captain Marvel before Carol Danvers. I think his name is... And then here's where I'm like, there was a guy before Captain Marvel girl? What? Yeah. No, <laughs> I, don't rem- uh, I don't remember this guy. I, I remember vaguely how, remember, remember something. remember how when we were kids, Carol Danvers was Miss Marvel, right? Yes. Yeah, they didn't make her Captain Marvel until like 2012, 2011, thereabouts. Oh, wait. And they they did go through other like identities. Like we'll talk about one later, like binary. I think she was she had yeah, I, knew bi- I, know, I know binary, I know that one, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah, they there was a there was a Cree guy who was Captain Marvel and he was bonded to Rick Jones, you know, the guy who was like the kid sidekick to Hulk and the Avengers back in the sixties. Yes, vaguely yes. And they had us it was clearly like influenced by and inspired by the original Captain Marvel, like, you know, who DC uh, now owns. I don't think they owned Captain Marvel then, but they now own the original Captain Marvel, who they, even though he's the original, they've had to rename Shazam for legal reasons. Right. And the setup between Rick Jones and Marvel, the first Captain Marvel, first Marvel Captain Marvel, is sort of like the setup of Billy Bastion and, uh, Captain Marvel Shazam, where it's like one replaces the other when they do a certain thing. Although it's not always clear that Captain Marvel Shazam and Billy Bastion are different people, where it is very true that Rick Jones and Marvel are different people. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense, yes. I completely forgot about the Marvel guy when you say it that way. Yeah, and like I've only read the Jim Starlin stuff with him, which is not that much. I haven't read anything else. Uh, but yeah, and so the the switching out of the three, I mean, on one hand, it's just to kind of 
it's a I, you know I, I, i'm not afraid to say it it's a fairly elegant way for like a superhero movie to put three characters who don't really have any association together other than similar names and somewhat similar powers right yes but it's also like kind of interesting because it does pay a little bit of homage to that history of like Shazam, Captain Marvel, and and Marvel, Captain Marvel of like them switching out. So I, I don't know. I actually thought it was kind of clever and a little bit, you know, a little bit like a neat uh, homage to comics past. So Bob, as we continue with the plot, while the three heroines bond, Miss Marvel's parents and elder brother go up to the sword station with Fury which has no explanation, and I know you're thinking sounds stupid, Matt, but honestly, it's pretty charming to see older Pakistani people in space bantering with Nick Fury, much better than having Fury as an Oracle-type figure. Okay, Bob. Thoughts, Matt? <laughs> yeah, sword, sword stations in space, right? Like, way, It's like a space station. Yeah, they're like the alien equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, they defend Earth from extraterrestrial events uh, instead of, like, you know, the Russians. Does that make sense? makes sense and what's so interesting about this bob is it, you think it's charming to see an older pakistani family like in space bantering we get kind of the exact same sort of thing in blue beetle we'll get to that in a little while yeah yeah it is interesting how with like two of the earlier you know uh two of the earlier superheroes of color like two of the earlier superheroes of color in movies their adventures are so defined by like their uh, family coming along on the adventures it's interesting that is very interesting. And I, see, when I heard that, that that was happening in the film, I was like, that seems really weird. But, I mean, I could see it being, in it, from a comic book, in a, in, in a comic book, I could see that happening and it not being so strange. Yeah. Well, and it's also just like if the other option is just Samuel L. having to, like, yell into the communicator whenever it works to, you know, Carol or Monica or Kamala, like, I, that would be pretty boring, right? Oh, right, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I, I guess I also should say for clarity, this is going to make you angry. I think that they don't call them sword in the movie. They call them, I think, saber, but they're basically just sword from the comics. So I'm just. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And do, do you remember sword from like the Joss Whedon X-Men run, like with Abigail Brand and such? Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 So basically in this movie, I don't know if this is a transition that Secret Invasion accomplished because I didn't watch it. But in this movie, instead of being like the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., it seems like Samuel L. is the head of Saber or the head of Sword and is more concerned with space than he is concerned with like Hydra or supervillains. And so I, maybe that's a transition that Secret Invasion accomplishes. I don't know. So I watched the first like two episodes of Secret Invasion when it aired. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I get, I, that's the impression I would get from that as well, that he's now dealing primarily with the with the sword saber whatever whatever the hell you want to call it at this point the space the nice. space wing of shield all right matt do you want to you want to bring down the first or the last part of our first plot summary yeah bob so uh during the kree attack the on the sun the marvels fury and miss marvel's family must evacuate the sword personnel and solution and solution is to have the cult flu of Fuck, you made me have to say that word. Kulthu, cats, swallow people, then herd the cats onto the limited number of escape pods. Okay, Bob, I do remember the cats being in the stupid trailer. I thought it was kind of funny the first time, and then it was really stupid. There's more okay, than one you cat. Didn't, you didn't see uh, the the first Captain Marvel? Uh, I know that it scratched Nick Fury's eye, apparently. Yeah, it did. And it, yeah, like, I guess you've seen it, but just for the listeners who haven't, like, there's an alien species of cat. I believe they're called the Flurkin. They can open up their jaws like uh, Cthulhu monsters and swallow things. Although, as I recall, maybe I'm wrong, in Captain Marvel, 
they didn't so much stress like the Cthulhu cats like consuming people, but they really stressed that in this movie. Yeah, I really thought it was just kind of a one-off joke, but then it like just it's, it's pretty bad now. It's like a big piece of this, right? Yeah, but again, like this is what's I don't know. I feel like superhero movies ought to do stuff like this, like have Bollywood song and dance numbers, have all the characters frantically running around a space station, like you know, throwing cats at people so that the cats swallow the people and then throwing the cat in the escape pod. I think it's pretty funny. So you have no issue with cats doing this, but when there's babies falling from buildings, that, that's where you draw the line, Bob. When did I say I had a problem with babies falling from buildings? Do you have a problem with babies falling from buildings and the Flash rescuing them? No, I, I have a problem with uh, what's-his-face who plays the Flash interacting <laughs> with Miller. children. And I doesn't he also, like, stick a baby in a microwave in that movie? That's correct, Bob. Now, are any cats put in the microwaves in this film? No, no, no. That is why I, Marvel is winning, guys. Yeah, yeah. They see a cat, yeah. they don't think to put it in a microwave. Look, I haven't, I haven't followed the specifics of um, the the accusations against uh, the guy playing Kang, and I am a big believer in due process of law. But that said, I do think it also is an, it, it also shows the difference of uh, Marvel and DC that it seems like Disney is getting rid of the Kang guy, whereas uh, Warner Brothers or Discovery just goes ahead and does a whole movie with uh, the guy who I'm pretty sure wasn't the Flash guy like convicted of some underage stuff. Oh yeah, there was a there was a ton of stuff and he just kept doing things. That was the other problem. Yeah. It was like he'd get in trouble and then be, okay, we'll let him stay. Oh wait, he did something else. Yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, you thought you were done reading plot summary. I did, did Bob, like to... but let's, let's see how this movie ends, okay? The Cree yeah. ruler accidentally tears a hole between realities Monica Rambeau has to heal the hole, but first she has to be charged up with energy from Captain and Miss Marvel in a very sexually suggestive scene. She heals the hole, but is trapped on the other side. Right before the end credits, Miss Marvel is waiting for Kate Bishop in the dark in Kate Bishop's apartment and echoes some of Fury's lines from the original Iron Man before breaking character in her enthusiasm. Miss Marvel alludes to Iron Man having a son, which may be how they end the Kang dilemma by transforming and recasting him as the younger Iron Lad. Thoughts? Wow. So let's just, let me just start from the beginning, Bob. Uh, I did read some info on this movie. Why did Monica Rambo have to be on the other side of the hole? Well, she had to heal the hole. And can she not really, heal it from our side? <laughs> I, I mean, she was, tr she was trying not to get captured, but or trying to get stuck on the other side, but you know, the way, it, the way it happened, no, she had to be on the other side. It turned out. Okay. I guess it's Matt, like getting. I guess it's you, like getting a colonoscopy from the other end. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, I think the operative song you should be thinking about here is Marvin Gaye's "Sexual Healing." Oh God! And you don't do the sexual healing from the outside of the orifice. You have to be inside the orifice to do the sexual healing. If you if you get what I'm saying. That is the best way to explain it, Bob. Thank you for doing that. You're welcome, Matt. I can now. That was helpful for you. I'm gonna need somebody to take the whatever happens at the end of this film and just put it to sexual healing. Man, the the scene where they're charging her up, even even like it sounds like healing sexually healing the hole would be the would be the scene with the implication. But no, it's really when Kamala and Carol are charging up Monica. That's man, I, I yeah, I, I'm glad the movie has such strong lesbian energy. It's a good thing, but like it's it's pretty funny. Bob, speaking of sexual healing, do you know what the last line of that song is? Not off the top of my head. No, he goes. He goes. Cause I'm all alone. I gotta have sexual healing, darling. Cause I'm all alone. Sexual healing, darling. Till you come back home. Please don't procrastinate. It's not too good to masturbate. Oh wow! 
I didn't remember that at all. It's very vague at the end of the song. Like, it's, he kind of, it goes quiet. You know how, like, you fade out of a song? Yeah, yeah. It's like, as the song is fading out, he says it. So you don't catch it. But if you ever, if you listen to that song anytime soon, just, just wait for it. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, the last words masturbate. I mean, Marvin Gaye really was trying to be a pioneer in expanding, like, the subject matter of songs. I mean, from the more political um, angle, there's, is the, is the protest album, is it Mercy Me? Is that yes, the name Mercy of it? Me. Yeah. Or no, I think it's What's Going On, but Mercy Me, The Ecology is one of the songs on it. I think that's right. All right, Bob. So Wait, let's talk. Anyway. I, I want to talk about two things here. First off, Young Avengers. What's your thought on this? I, I'm i not excited about it because, honestly, these characters, you've had to have watched all these shows on Disney+. Plus. I've watched a bunch of them, but I haven't been that entertained enough to want to go see them in, the film, in a film together. Well, if they do it right, hopefully you won't need to watch all of these. <laughs> like, if they do it right. Um, I got to watch which, 42 you know, hours this, of, of TV shows. Yeah. In the same way that, like, I mean, granted, I, I think the original Avengers movies would, directed by Joss Whedon is pretty bad. But you don't need to have seen the Thor, Iron Man, and Cap movies to see it, you know? Yeah. So, so let, let me, let's talk about this for a minute, though. We've got Kate Bishop. She'll be taking uh, Hawkeye's place. We know that. We've got the Falcon guys, now Captain America. Winter Soldier, well, I think, I is part I, of it, too, I, right? He won't, be, he won't be in it, I don't think. What the hell? Like, what, what was the whole point of that? He's not a young Avenger, man. He's, like, in his fucking 30s. That didn't stop anybody from anything. And no, I'm still no, young, be... Bob. What are you talking about? Who else do we have on here? Yeah, we yeah. got Ironheart, well, right? Let me, let me run through it, because you're, 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 you're all confused. Probably <laughs> we could have... The older alternate universe versions of Scarlet Witch's twins, yes, the WandaVision, okay. yeah, um, like Wiccan, and I forget the name of the Quicksilver one, but we could probably bring them in. Uh, we could bring in Ironheart, although I'm not sure if they will, especially since they're also teasing Iron Lad, who is one of the original Young Avengers. Then you, yeah, you would have Kate Bishop, you would have Miss Marvel, and even though I was all enthusiastic to correct you, there's someone else I'm forgetting. Uh, Black Panther. He's too young, though. No, I mean the 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 female. Oh, oh, Shuri. Shuri, sorry, yeah. her name escapes me. Yeah, sorry, I thought you were talking about Toussaint La Overture. No, not the little boy. Toussaint. I don't. I don't want sorry, like a Wesley sorry. Crusher in our Marvel films. That's not cool. <laughs> yeah, he wants yeah. that character. You could you could have all of them. Uh, also, like. Young Loki in the comics has been a part oh, of Young God. Avengers, but I haven't watched the Loki show, although people really liked how season two ended, but I, I don't know how that ending in season two, like where that leaves Loki. I don't know if you would want to bring in young Loki, but he would be another option. So yeah. I, Bruce Banner's kid. There is, there is a character called Hulkling. He's not Bruce Banner's kid. It turns out he's like some sort of Kree scroll hybrid, I think. Oh. He was introduced in She-Hulk, though, is what I'm saying, so, or whatever that character was. Maybe it's not his oh, kid. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you told me that, but I totally forgot about I, it. Oh, it's okay, Bob. Once again, there's only like 300 hours of television you have to watch to keep up with this shit. Well, but again, I, I think if you do it right, like like Kate Bishop and Miss Marvel's deal, for example, like it's not complicated, and you don't need to watch their stupid shows to understand it. And so, I don't know. And honestly, like I like, I like the actresses who play Kate Bishop and in uh, Miss Marvel. I have, you know, I think I, I think they have charisma. I think you know that could work. So let me, let me ask know. you this, Bob, because this, this opens a, a new line of questioning for me. Do you think it's easier to follow along in comic books with this kind of stuff than it is with movies? 
Yes, because I think in comics, the expectation is that no one can read everything. Okay. And so that's, so they, you know, they just write with that in mind. Whereas I think they're still, they still haven't gotten to that point, even though it should be obvious that no one, no one other than sickos should watch these 50 films and, you know, 20 TV shows. Yet nonetheless, <laughs> here we are. I mean, it's almost like a lifestyle at this point. Like, you're just like, well, so it's like here was, you have to watch Marvel every day. Here was going to be my like complaint slash joke about the Young Avengers, even though like in some sense, like I like the Young Avengers comics. They're fun. They're fun. I'm somewhat optimistic about it. But my concern would be we have the Marvel schedule through 2027, right? Right. Like, like by the time they make this damn movie or this damn miniseries, they're going to be like in their <laughs> late 30s. <laughs> like why are they? That's the that's I think one of the weirdest and weakest things about the MCU, like it's a film and a TV show is it's like, you know, the great thing about comics is that you tease something and then a new issue comes out the next month. Like these stupid movies and TV shows tease things and then it comes to fruition five years later. Yeah, okay, that is what is happening with X-Men and it's driving me insane because I just don't care anymore about Marvel and like Marvel as a whole. Well, I, just, I, I, I want to I want to see the X Men. That's what I want to see, and it's yeah. not happening. But I keep getting these little like pieces. They keep well, dangling I, I things a, in front of me. Yeah, I have a question about that too. But let, let's go ahead and have you describe the mid credit scene in Miss Marvel for the listeners. All right, Bob. So there's a mid credit scene, and I spoiled myself on this because I am like that. But Rana, Monica Rambo wakes up in a lab. Her dead mother, Maria Rambo, is here as binary, the cosmically powered Carol Danvers from the Brood Saga. Do you remember so, that outfit? I do remember that outfit. And uh, let me just say that Binary has become like the uh, OP version of Captain Marvel for most like video games. Like anytime you play a video game and she, you, she's going to get her like super magic power that's like, you know, the ultimate power, she becomes Binary. Yeah, which makes sense because like when she becomes Binary in the Brood Saga, it's very much like an, an homage or a repetition of Marvel Girl becoming Phoenix earlier in the Claremont. And, and that's, yeah, that's exactly how her powers work in any video game she's in. It's like interesting, she, interesting. she reaches that point and then she goes Binary and she's almost unstoppable. All right. And I did I did want to just say too, just for sake of time, really quickly, like there are a lot of Phoenix connections to how they portray Carol Danvers in this movie. So we talked about like the oh, dark shit. side of the moon. Uh, there's a lot of stuff about like Carol Danvers, like yeah, I left out of the summary, but her like healing the Cree sun is a very Phoenix thing. We have her in the binary costume, which was specifically like a repetition. Or we don't have her, but rather we have Monica Rambeau's mother in Carol Danvers' binary costume, which was a you know repetition of Phoenix. So I did think it was interesting with all the more explicit X Men connections we're about to talk about, like the all of the kind of overlay of Phoenix material on top of Captain Marvel. All right, so Bob, someone is talking in this lab, and at first you you believed it was Mister Fantastic. Is that correct? Yeah, since the Fantastic Four movie, isn't that like two years away or something? And it's apparently going to be in an alternate universe. I, I, don't, know about, I don't know about the alternate universe thing. I just know that we had uh, the dude from The Office as Mr. Fantastic in the Doctor Strange movie. Was that it? Yeah, Doctor Strange yeah, movie. Yeah, although it, it was the Doctor Strange movie. And then there's debate about are they going to cast him? Or are they going to cast Pedro Pascal? Or are they going to cast somebody else? Yeah, Pedro Pascal is going to be... Uh... An interesting one if that's the way they go. I don't 
why why are pe other than racism why do people not want it to be pedro pascal i mean i don't want it to be pedro pascal because i like pedro pascal and i want him to do better things okay bob but... i think that may be why most people oh, I, okay. I know that most you don't your opinion usually doesn't fit with like the mainstream but i think huh. that's my reasoning as well like i've seen the guy in mandalorian i've seen him in other things and well say, saying you've seen him in mandalorian yeah bob i saw him in mandalorian he's the best no, no you you miss my joke matt it's a little bit of a stretch to say see to say you've seen him in mandalorian yeah, I have because he's under a mask. No, because he's in the costume for most of the time, and half the time it's other guys playing him anyway. No, Bob, he's totally under that the whole time. All the stunts, everything. Okay. Just kidding. I know, Bob. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. You mean the dude that they they took Darth Vader's helmet off? That guy who hadn't been in that costume the whole three movies? Is that what you're saying? I'm not. You trying to tell me the guy that played Anakin Skywalker in Phantom Menace did also play Darth Vader all the way up into the most I'm recent? I'm not film? complaining about it. I was just trying to make a joke, and then you no sold my joke, and it made me angry. Like Hulk Hogan over here, hard guy to work with. Welcome, always welcome to my, the slaps. Welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Bob, so we get we see an X on the corner of the monitor apparently, and then we see Kelsey yeah. Grammer as Beast. I have now seen some footage taken on a cell phone or some shit. Definitely a CGI Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, I mean I assumed it was, but I, I have no eye for this stuff. Like I probably probably pulled straight out of like X-Men 97. <laughs> Somebody yeah. even made that comment on one of the on a, on a on a Reddit forum that what if because Kelsey Grammer's wearing the exact same outfit that the X Men '97 Beast has on with like the uh, glasses and all that shit that you usually don't see him wearing. Yeah, and then so he, he directly mentions Charles, right? He's like, "Oh, Charles will have to be informed or something." Yeah, it's gonna be awful if this is just like a uh, a crossover with X Men '97 in the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's kind of my question, like, so. At first, I just assumed like Patrick Stewart in at the end of Do Doctor Strange Two was just a way to kind of you know have fun with the multiverse, call back to you know a, a semi beloved series of films. But given that they're also like bringing up Kelsey Grammer here, I'm wondering is Mar because this seems insane to me if Marvel does this. But I'm actually wondering if they are going to do it. Are they are they going to not reboot the X-Men? Are they just going to bring in some version of the Brian Singer X-Men? Because that seems mad to me if that's true. The only way they can do this, Bob, is if they have the different Earths and they somehow tell you in the corner of the screen, like this is Earth 101, this is Earth 107, this is Earth X. Which is, is Earth basically what Doctor Strange 2 did, as I recall. Yes, that is the only way they can do it. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just insane. I mean, I don't think they're going to do that. I think the idea is that they'll do a rebooted X-Men, but they're just enjoying the, you know, they're just using the cheap, the cheap hints from having Patrick Stewart and Kelsey Grammer, but it's insane. I mean, they have made so many, they dangle all these carrots. Like in Miss Marvel, they refer to her as a mutant yeah. at, at the end. They uh, dangled Quicksilver in front of us in uh, WandaVision. It was not yeah. Quicksilver. It was something McNuts or some D's Nuts joke or some stupid thing they made. I don't know what it was. Well, they were briefly resurrecting him, right? Because he'd been in, he'd been killed, I think, in Avengers Two. Yeah, but he was the one from First Class and all that in that series of movies. The actor was. Oh, that's you're right. Yeah, you're right. It was the other Quicksilver. But then we that's find out right. his name is like Dick Hole or some something stupid, and it just pissed me off. Oh, that, I, I didn't know about that. You didn't know about that. Well, any any other <laughs> hit us up on X guys if you can remember what the name of Quicksilver was. It was something awful. Any any other thoughts about how they're teasing uh, slash seeding the X Men into the MCU? I don't know, but I can tell you the X Men '97 merchandise is being sold all over at Target. So oh, it good. is it is when, happening. When is it is coming eventually. I hope to see more kids dressed like Wolverine. 
we got to get back on recording, Matt. We got to get back on recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Matt, we do this every time, but the upcoming MCU films, Deadpool 3, Captain America 4, Fantastic Four, Thunderbolts, Wesley Snipesless Blade, which makes me angry, and Avengers 5 and 6. Um, I assume you are excited about uh, Deadpool 3 because you're a pleb, you're a Philistine. Are you excited about any of those other ones? Okay, Bob, I'm going to go back to your Deadpool 3 comment here. I'm excited about Deadpool 3 because my wife is dying to see it because Taylor Swift might be in it. So she's like, hey, we need to watch all the other Deadpool movies. And I'm like, you're right, we should. We should go watch all the Deadpool movies. It's uh, I, I think it's really messed up that you're exploiting your wife's Taylor Swift fandom in that way. Man. <laughs> Taylor Swift is Dazzler, Bob. That's uh, that's what they say, Matt. I, I'm great. great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm kidding. It just means I can go see Deadpool 3 not by myself. I just want to be cl- I just want to be clear this is not a middle-aged man hating on Taylor Swift. I have no feelings about Taylor Swift. Yeah. This is a middle-aged man hating on Deadpool movies. I just, yeah. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. And you know, and I got ex- and you know, I, I there's the part of me wants to explain the whole origin and history of Dazzler to to my wife and you know, show her all the different costumes and shit and like that. But then I'm like that maybe may turn her off. Her, it maybe may turn should, her- maybe maybe for for uh, Christmas, one thing. I'm not saying this is the only thing or the yeah. main thing, but maybe one thing you might get your wife is Dazzler the movie, the original graphic novel. From uh, speaking, since you said that, Bob, good. <laughs> I downloaded that illegally because I was going to read it and see if it's something she would actually read, <laughs> and I don't think so. No, but but good, right, good. So you're, I, you're, we have a very very light thinking minds. Like I was, that was right, the first right, thing so I thought. Another option. Maybe you should illegally download the issue where Dazzler fights Galactus and oh. see if see if that one would be fun. I'm pretty sure that happened. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty Whatever sure. Whatever I happened. choose, she kind of has to look like Taylor Swift in it. So I can't just go with like, you know, the old school 80s Dazzler with the blue outfit I don't, and the headband. I don't know who the artist was on any of the Dazzler books. Uh, and, and apologies to them for suggesting this. But maybe you should buy her a copy of the Dazzler versus Galactus comic and then go in with a pen and make her look more like Taylor Swift. Maybe I should use AI and create a Taylor Swift <laughs> and just act like that's an actual comic image. It would be funny if like you started making like a, a Taylor Swift Dazzler comic strip for your wife via AI and then you started <laughs> posting it online and that became far more uh, successful than this podcast and they're like sorry shit, bob, bob. You're, d- you're dead weight i'm cutting you off you have a, you have great ideas bob you, that's, we could do this <laughs> taylor swift ai art of hers dazzler comic book series he's like i found i found a way to incorporate my wife into my internet fandom i don't need my best friend anymore <laughs> yeah what if we just rename i can't remember what dazzler's actual name is what is it do you remember allison blair i think allison blair so, you act like i'm you act like i should know this <laughs> Like, like, no, like no, no, what no, the no, hell's no. wrong with you, Matt? You don't remember Allison Blair is her other name? No, 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 no. That you, you, you miss, you misheard that because I oh. said I think at the end, and the tone was, the tone was, I think I'm right, but I'm not totally. Oh, sure. okay. Yes, yeah, see, Bob, your tone came off a little different. This reminds me of it worked the other day when I was on a uh, chat with us. I was on a, a, a typing chat with customer support for one of our programs, and the dude ended a comment with an exclamation mark, and I told him to tone it down. <laughs> I'm like, we're talking about uh, we're talking about education software here. We're not talking about... <laughs> All right, Matt. Real quick, any any other uh, oh. any other upcoming MCU films besides uh, the Taylor Swift Dazzler movie that you have any thoughts on? Okay, I'm going to run through this real quick, Bob. I'm sorry, but this is what we're actually doing. Captain America 4, I do want to see because I want to see Sam Wilson as the main. I think that 
that might see, actually be pretty good. When you say when you say it like this, it makes me feel racist for not wanting to see it. Yeah, you're but racist. I'm so, I'm <laughs> you so saw the other Captain America that, movies with the white guy. Why don't you see the one with the black yeah, guy? Yeah, but then I wasn't going to watch the miniseries with the white and the black guy. And I assume you need to have seen the miniseries with the white guy and the black guy to see the movie. I'm probably, I mean, because it's all about Winter Soldier and their buddy-buddy stuff. And the other guy, what, U.S. Patriot, is that the guy that... U.S. agent. Agent, agent, yeah. U.S. agent shows yeah. up, the, the cool-looking Captain America from the early 90s. Yeah, Play, was played like, by Kurt Russell's son, right? Yeah, which he's kind of entertaining. I I think that has, the, that has the, that has the, movie, movie has the ability to be maybe a, a sleeper hit. I don't think it's going to fail as much as some of these other ones, because there's just a lot of really, like, the, the character work there is stronger. That there's a lot more emotion in those characters than you see in some of the other maybe, films. Maybe I just need to go back to my tried and true method of watching Marvel miniseries, which is I turn them on, I turn the sound off, I put the subtitles on, I call my family. That is definitely a series you could do that for, Bob, because I think it's pretty much what I did. Except I wasn't okay. calling my family, I was playing like games on my phone. Well, I'm 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 a better son than you, Matt. Exactly. I, I didn't say you were. <laughs> Actually, you're 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 better you're a better son than I am, uh, Matt. I moved uh, I moved a continent away, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm I'm the worst son, actually. But Bob, that's what they wanted. <laughs> well, that's what that's what yours wanted. It wasn't what mine wanted. <laughs> All right, Bob. These other films, Fantastic Four. That last film still I still have a horrible taste in my mouth from that. I can't. I, I don't know. They do have Miles Miles Mickelson. Is that how you say his name? Well, they're saying that there'll Maybe be a Mickelson for Doom. Yeah, they're saying. That I'm on board with. with well, but... it's great casting, but it's like Mads Mickelson is so good that I don't want him wasting his time, you know? Yes, and especially he's going to be behind a mask anyway. That dude's creepy as fuck. Like, he's... Yeah, he, he yeah. Needs to, he's, he reminds me of the dude who played... Uh, he reminds me of Cillian Murphy's Scarecrow. Like, just the dude, you, it's all in his eyes and his expressions. Yeah. You, All did right. you see Hannibal, the TV series, Matt? Bob, you have asked me this a billion times, and I promise you one day, Bob, I'm going to watch it. You're going to have to tie me down to watch it, but I'll fucking watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I, I don't think that's one you can watch with the wife, Matt. I think she might. See, that, that becomes a problem when you get married, Bob, because you can no longer yeah. watch just whatever the hell you want to on TV. <laughs> you have to... <laughs> I know, Matt. I know. You have to barter for, for television time. It's like, I'm going to watch this show. It's only going to be one hour. <laughs> I just want to say, my my last partner was very good, at, even though she watched the trash reality... The trashest reality tv shows she never made me watch them with her i was very grateful for oh, that we're not going to get into that bob but hitting too close to home yeah All thunderbolts right, matt, bob i don't care about i, I don't even I, matt you don't on. care about the marvel suicide squad what's wrong no with bob you? i do not care i don't give two shits about thunderbolts non-wesley snipes blade just needs to go away like i'm sorry you you've screwed yourself over already you yeah, shot yourself in I, the foot this also makes me feel this also makes me feel racist because i love marshall lee but it's like, ah, oh, man, I just, it's Wesley Snipes or no one, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, Wesley Snipes, to me, is the equivalent of uh, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. You just Changing is not yeah, going to work. Except for I like Wesley yeah. Snipes. <laughs> I'm not tired of him. I don't wince every yeah. time I think about him. All right, Bob. Avengers 5 and 6, I do not care anything about. It's going it, to, it's... I, I, don't, what, I can't even what, believe they're coming out with those. I'm so, I'm sorry I keep derailing us, but one quick question about Avengers five or six. So I feel like you know after the say the first three MCU movies, which weren't they like wasn't that Hulk, Iron Man, Thor? Was that the first three? Yes. Like you you even though I don't even know if Avengers one had been announced at that point, you knew they were building to it, right? And you knew what it was going to look like. Yeah, you, you did, but you did. There was yeah. no like clear like map or picture or anything. They, it's just you were like, oh, they keep giving us these little 
mid-credit scenes that are adding yeah. up to something. But it was still, it was clear it was going to be like, okay, it'll be five or six characters. Nick Fury will get them together. They'll do a Captain America movie before now. Um, you got it. Yeah, whereas I just, it is kind of wild, and I don't necessarily say this as a criticism, but it's just wild that we're not too many movies, not too many years out from the next Avengers movies, and I just have no, like, what would the team be? What would the plot be? I have no idea. I'm assuming the Young Avengers thing is going to fit in there somewhere. Oh, you think so? Okay. Yeah, Bob. I have this, I have this gut feeling that's where it's going to go. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like you kind of want the Young Avengers to do their own thing. You don't want them to be like one of like four moving pieces in a big multiverse thing. But so, maybe I'm right, Bob, so who are your Avengers going to be? You got... Cap, uh, I don't got, know, Matt. That's why I asked the question. Well, I'm just saying. Let's let's go. Let's go. You got Falcon, Winter Soldier. You got uh, Emily. Is did Emily Clark play the uh, uh, Amelia Clark? Amelia Clark. Did she play the other Black Widow? I didn't watch the Black Widow. Yeah, you got her. You got Kate. No, Kate Bishop's Young Avengers. Uh, um, Hulk isn't going to go anywhere. Doc, you can just CGI Strange, his ass. Doctor Strange, Thor, Spider Man. You could do. You could do Valkyrie um, again. Yeah, but none of these characters are going to draw fans. Like they're not. You have Captain. You have Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, um, which you saw how many fans that drew. They just burn. <laughs> Shang Chi. Oh yeah, that was that was a that was a hit for Marvel. Um, Blade. I don't know. See, there's no, there's no. You're right. There's no one. You have all these characters, but there's well, they're not going to the form a team that's going to be identifiable. Bring... They're going to bring back the originals, and it's going to be terrible. Like they're going that's going to be awful too. They they need to just yeah. do something different. They need to just I don't yeah. know reboot or start over or something. I don't care. Just do something that's not the same. Yeah. All right, Matt. On that note of despair, shall we talk about Blue Beetle? All right, Bob. So we've talked the Marvels. Uh, I am not going to watch that film, even though you watched it and said it was okay. You should. It's fun. It's it's I mean, fun. You should turn. You should wait till it comes on Disney Plus, and then you should watch it. Like if you're gonna, if you're gonna subject yourself to all of Falcon and Winter Soldier, there's no reason <laughs> to not watch. I, it's like a f- hour forty five, Matt. I was, I was, like with trailers, I was out of the film. I was out of the theater uh, at two after two hours. It was beautiful. It's what all MCU movies should be in terms of runtime. Okay, that is where you and I can agree because even Blue Beetle. It reached a certain point in the film where I was like, "Okay, I'm ready for this to be over." And there were still like, like an four... hour fifty, wasn't it? Yeah, there were still forty minutes left. If that tells you anything, but yeah. <laughs> that's my attention span as an adult. I still watched it. It was still okay. All right, so I'm gonna kind of give you a little synopsis here, Bob, and yeah. you just chime in when you fucking feel like it. All right, here we go. Jamie, John, <laughs> I did it already. Jaime Reyes comes home after graduating from college, where he was uh, studying pre-law. Hey, hey, that's not a major. That's an intention. Yeah. To discover that his also, family... Also, it's the, it's the Gotham Co- University of Law, I think it was, or something oh, like God. that. Oh, God. You you, caught, you, watch, you watch Closer than I did, Bob. I missed that. I, I actually didn't. I didn't hear them say this school, and then I saw it in the Wikipedia summary. So, <laughs> so he, he comes home, he discovers his family's being evicted. Uh, his family consists of a dad, mom, sister, grandmother, uncle, whose name is Rudy. And I just want to say it's pretty shocking to me that George Lopez has transformed into Steven Seagal. The thing that bothers me the most is that they're being evicted because they can't pay their rent, but dad, mom, sister, grandmother, and uncle are all shown like doing work throughout the entire film. I mean, that's Joe Biden's economy, Matt. So they can't afford rent. It, it, that's what That part hit me. I'm like, wow, that's really what they're trying to show here because dad had a heart attack and they had to shut the shop down or whatever. They were like some yeah. auto mechanic thing yeah. and that completely destroyed their whole, their whole life. Yeah. 
Joe Biden's Joe Biden's economy, Matt. Just reckon reckon so, families. So, so that's how Blue Beetle starts. <laughs> but then you then you meet Victoria Cord. She's developing the OMAC project, and she's showing it off to her niece Jennifer, who of course thinks it's evil. Shenanigans lead to Jaime meeting Jennifer and visiting Court Tower for a job opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of white people being overtly racist to Latinos in this film. Yeah, it was kind of amusing to see Susan Sarandon in particular, you know, who has a, a you know, a very good reputation as like a liberal progressive activist just being really racist throughout the whole movie. Yeah, she calls everybody Sanchez or something like that. And yeah. Like, yeah. it's just mean. Hold on one second. Okay. And she, she yeah, it, there's a lot of overt racism. And then, of course, Jaime starts with a J. And even I've been bad about this, calling him Jamie, but it's just it's how I read it. <laughs> so, Jaime. But anyway, where, where are we at, Bob? Jennifer still this. Have I ever told you the uh, Jesus Jesus story on the podcast, Matt? I don't think so, Bob. Uh, one of the greatest Facebook posts uh, I've ever seen. It was a screenshot. And I think, I think it was real. I think this was like before you had people like doing Photoshop jobs of Facebook comments. But it was somebody complaining that, oh, Jesus is giving me such a hard time today. And the first comment, you know, it's a very solicitous uh, white Christian woman being like, well, Jesus does gives us give us a lot of problems, you know, but it's never more than we can handle. And if you can pray about it and open your heart to him, he'll find a way to guide you through it. And then the reply from the original poster is, no, I'm talking about my son, Jesus. He got suspended from school for punching the janitor, comma, again. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Ugh. Yeah, right, always get the <laughs> always always try to understand the context, folks, before posting, and always read an article before making a comment. That's another thing. All right. Well, 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 we we have slightly different opinions. On this. Okay, okay. Well, if you just comment on what the headline says, you're usually going to make yourself look stupid. I'm I'm just saying, Matt. Like, uh, you know, news outlets have a perspective, and if you understand their perspective, usually it's pretty obvious what their take on a given situation is going to be. And all, really people say that, like they say, they say that like, oh, it, like, you know, it's the same as that stupid never judge a book by its cover. It's like, they say that because it's like, oh, I'm so open-minded and smart. And it's like, it's like, no, what you're really doing is you're taking a talking point from a big media corporation who gets paid if you click through on the headline. So, you know, they're headline winning. is they're like- They're winning, Bob, they're winning. They got yeah, my click. Yeah. They're winning, they got their ad money. Yeah. Yeah. You son of and a if, bitch. If the headline is like, you know, like <laughs> trans people are preying on kids in bathrooms or like, oh, oh look at all the Hamas style terrorist uh, activity we found in this hospital. You don't have to read the article to know that it's, uh, you know, it's hate mongering shit. Like you, you, you can, you can use your intelligence and figure that out without giving them the third, the 36th of a cent or whatever your click through does. See, Bob's leveled up a little more than I have. Once I'm exposed to more of these, I will level up as well and no longer read them. Just be like, that's stupid, and keep on scrolling. Well, Thanks, see, the, the thing is, is whereas Matt, Matt is a healthier person and is just a fan of, um, you know, media, I I have become that toxic and hateful thing, a fan of politics. So it's like, Matt, Matt was impinging on my fandom there, and I was pushing back. But really, it's I'm the one who's losing. Matt's yeah. living a happier, better, adjusted life than me. Well, Bob, let's talk about what happens next because Jennifer steals the scarab from her grandmother's lab in a big belly burger box and gives it to Jaime to hide. Yes. Oh, and I said grandmother. I meant aunt because I was very confused about what oh, she, age Susan she, Sarandon was supposed to be. 
I oh, think yeah, yeah, that she's right. Ted Kord's sister, but yeah, older. She is. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, maybe but not for... older. I mean, I think I think she and Ted are probably supposed to be similar age. Okay. I, I just. I, I, I mean, I guess get... we'll see. I guess we'll see if they ever make a sequel to this, which I doubt. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll they... never find out. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless there's like a companion book that goes with it, I don't know. All right. Um. So, th- they go back to the house. The Jaime's family starts tossing around the scarab. It connects to the Jaime, and he becomes the Blue Beetle. All right. The first question I want to ask you, Bob. How would you expect a Susan Sarandon villain to act? I don't know, man. I, I didn't really. I mean, I was kind of. I, I thought it was interesting, like how racist, you know, the character intentionally was. Uh, other than that, I didn't really have like many big thoughts on it. My first introduction to Susan Sarandon, Bob, is very unique. There was a movie on HBO when we were growing up, and uh, no, <laughs> it was called. White Palace. Oh, and I know that movie. In White Palace, Bob, is a movie where Susan Sarandon works at a White Castle, like, rip-off, knock-off, whatever, for the film. Okay? She's poor. That does not sound like a Susan Sarandon movie. She's very poor. And she huh. falls in love with this guy who picks up White Castle at her restaurant. <laughs> and they oh, fuck sure at her house. very realistic. And they fuck at her house, Bob, which is disgustingly trashy. And they fuck around a bunch of White Castle hamburger boxes. Huh. And Bob, that's all I remember about the movie. And that's all I know of Susan Sarandon. That's a shame. I know she was in Thelma and Louise. That's it. Like, I don't know much more about her. Have you ever seen uh, I'm a Virgo? No. You should watch I'm a Virgo. It's relevant to the plot you just described. I also get very... I also confuse her constantly with Sally Fields. Oh, well, I... Okay, that's that's silly. Yeah, I know. It's strange. Like, I don't know why I have issues. But if I needed her to act like a villain... She hit it because she acts like a Karen. That's how she acts in this film. Yeah, she is corporate Karen in this. That's corporate racist true. Karen. Yep, yep. Oh, man. So, so Bob, the that, funniest line in this whole film. What you're saying is that the, uh, the comedic stylings of George Lopez really won you over during this movie. Okay, Bob, George Lopez was way funnier in this than I expected. Some of his lines are, are just dog, like just hilarious. When Jaime yells, it's inside me, is referring to the scarab. His uncle goes, it went up his ass. <laughs> the scarab. Yeah. That, that, that spoke to you in a way. It was, it was so funny, Bob. Because, I, I mean, maybe it did. I don't know. They never they never touched on that in the comic books. So. Look, just to jump ahead a little bit, I did I did actually think it was funny when Jaime's entire family was making fun of how small his dick is. Like, yeah, that he, was funny. Yeah, like, dude learns how to, like, use a suit and shit, and he, like, falls through the roof, and he's butt naked. Because I guess the scarab eats your clothes and then goes away. But he's butt naked in front of his family, and they just start making fun of his dick. I mean... Yeah, yeah, and then they then then they were making fun of the the scarab, you know, attached at like the base of his spine, like basically like or no, was it the base of his spine or the, his shoulders? I can't remember. It's his shoulders, yeah. Shoulders. And I, I in my mind, I'm picturing it as a tramp stamp, but whatever. <laughs> All right. So one thing they did differently here, Bob, that I kind of like is that the the reason that once the suit's connected to to Jaime, it wants to like calibrate itself <laughs> and adapt to the new host. So it starts doing these extreme things like shooting itself up into the atmosphere to see if it can still contain, you know, keep the host alive, bring him back down through the atmosphere, yeah. slam the brakes, you know, all this shit just to make sure it's all, it's everything's in working order. That was an interesting take on the whole, you know, oh, I'm learning how this shit works uh, scene that we've seen so many times in other superhero films. Yeah. Did you, yeah. Did you find I, it clever, Bob? I, I didn't. I, I was paying less attention than you were and... I also just, I mean, this is kind of inevitable with Blue Beetle, but I don't really lo- love the Iron Man overtones of it all. 
Oh, there's a lot that, of Iron Man. But that said, like the depictions of the suit were not they were they were in, they were somewhat interesting. I mean, definitely the only Blue Beetle I really think people need is Brave and the Bold and Young Justice Blue Beetle. <laughs> but but that said, like it it was an interesting depiction and it, it it was more visually interesting than like how they do Iron Man and Ironheart armor in the MCU, which is really, really boring. Yeah, it was a different take, and yes, it is similar, but I also like how they use practical suits for the Blue Beetle costume. Like, that was an actual outfit, not a CGI, you know, get-up. Yeah, I didn't notice that, because so I guess I just don't have a good eye for it, but I once you pointed it out, I was thinking, it was like, yeah, I guess it did look a little bit better and a little bit more, like, realized than, like, CGI would have done. So, um, let's go back to the, to the film, Bob, where, all right, Jaime's learned how the suit works, the uncle tells Jaime that they can't go to the police because grandma doesn't have a green card. Do you think this is like <laughs> foreshadowing that it turns out that I, and I don't know. I thought this was maybe like, uh, I, I don't have strong opinions. I would, I would, you know, defer to others opinions on this, but yeah. it, it, maybe it's foreshadowing of the fact that grandmother was like some sort of revolutionary, uh, oh. maybe a Zapatista or something, which I thought was a little, ridiculous but i don't know if other people find it charming who am i i you know i i do support old mexican women yelling death to imperialism so that's fine good well bob on top of that too the truck is called taco yeah i guess we should just keep going so jennifer so at one point jennifer and jaime attempt to break into court tower to retrieve the key that'll unlock the scare from jaime's back Carapax, Victoria's right Which I, hand. I must say that's a that's a really funny as being like both an appropriately um, appropriately insectoid name for a blue beetle villain, and also sounding you know like a Chicano name. I mean, maybe an actual Chicano would have a different opinion about that. But I, I sort of uh, appreciated the name Carapax. I thought it was pretty funny. That was really cool because it's it's a deep it's a cut from the comics, but at the same time it's like oh, it oh is? I'm pretty How sure Carapax is in the comics. Yes. I remember reading. Wasn't he like, or am I getting I him confused with the other dude? I'm I'm a hundred percent sure he's in there. He is, man. Bullshit. Hold up. They just make that name up out of nowhere. Oh no, he he he's a he's a villain of uh, the Ted Cord Blue Beetle. Yeah, I knew I wasn't Conrad crazy because I was like, because there's no way they were that creative. This is yeah, no, it's 2023. Carapax. They're not that good. Let's see what else Conrad Carapax has appeared in. Conrad yeah, because he was—he's not in—I don't think he's in any of the new Blue Beetle stuff. I—I've I, seen the name before. Like I know uh, it wasn't anything, you know, but it may just be I was researching for the film at that one is all I remember. But he was in—he was in the Ted Cord 1980s DC Blue Beetle series, and then he shows up in Blue Beetle Volume 735, which is—that's—I think that's late in the. Uh, I don't. I can't remember if we talk, talked about this with our in our unreleased Blue Beetle episodes, but it's like, it's either at the end of the Blue Beetle issues we talked about, or it's um, it's 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 after. I can't remember. Yeah, we we brought him up before at some point. I don't remember what it was for. But I, in this in this though, he utilizes the OMAC to well, kick Blue but Beetle's I don't, ass. I can't. I don't. Bob. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to figure out something right quick. Bob is navigating. Great He's got to know if Carapax has a long history in DC. Or if the writers of this film made something actually creative and interesting. Well, no, you're right. He is. You're, you're right. He is a Ted Cord villain. I'm just trying to figure out because I don't think it would have. Because I think we just talked about the end of the John Rogers run on Blue Beetle. I don't think we talked about Lila Sturgis's mm -hmm. run on Blue Beetle. 
Well, he uses the Omac to kick Blue Beetle's ass, Bob. Omac looks nothing like Omac in the comics. <laughs> yeah, we 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 didn't. He he shows up in one issue of the Blue Beetle series we talked about. Yes. And it's not one we talked about. It's later. It's not one we talked about on the podcast episodes that we didn't release. Maybe you re- maybe you went ahead and read probably the rest of that did. series. I don't know. I just vaguely remember it, the character. It, he's also he's only in one issue, and there's a whole list of villains. So it makes me think it's he's probably just like on a page or something. Okay, my memory's not that good, Bob. But I'm pretty sure I probably looked him up doing research for the film. No, I mean you ago. you owned me, Matt. I thought I thought Carapax was a made up thing for the movie. I I was wrong. You were right. You. Know I, I'm not taking advantage of this own, Bob, because it's a stupid own. I, I... <laughs> it's maybe it's a stupid own, but I I go back to it's a cool name. Yeah, it is a very but, cool name, and I, it one it is, is a creative. Like, it is a sure. creative take on the, the whole insectoid, but also sounding kind of Latino. Well. Because <laughs> in the '80s, Carapax was a was a white guy. I'm pretty sure oh. his name was like Conrad Carapax. So they they somewhat reimagined him for this, right? So Bob, this fight between Carapax and Blue Beetle is a lot more grounded than what we're used to seeing. Do you appreciate those types of fights more, or do you want a CGI filled mess that we usually get? Uh, of course, I want it to be more grounded. Although. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm struggling with the use of grounded uh, as an adjective for like a thing where like people are growing hammers and, you know, scarab knives out of their hands. Okay. I, now this one, I just meant this first fight, not the, not, not the others. Oh, Cause okay. it does okay. turn my into bad. a CGI filled mess towards the end. Yes. But this first my fight bad. was a lot more okay. grounded. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. Grounded is always better. Of course. All right. Jennifer uses the term symbiotic when she's referring to the scarab. It like wraps itself around the brainstem and attaches to every cell in the in the body. Have you ever thought to compare venom with blue beetle? I don't think we ever have. No, and I missed the use of the term uh, symbiote or symbiotic. I mean, I always yeah just think of like uh, blue beetle as like a Spider Man Iron Man crossover, which is maybe a little unfair because he predates those characters and really the Iron Man elements aren't really there until the 2000s when they reimagine Blue Beetle as Jaime Reyes instead of like Ted Kord. But yeah, no, it's an, it's, a, it's an interesting angle. So we find out that Ted Kord had an abandoned mansion with a beetle cave. Uh, and we see some great shots of like comic accurate Dan Garrett and Ted Kord costumes. And there's a naked mannequin, which means that one of the uniforms is missing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't know how I felt about this. Did I, I pre- did I appreciate it? Did I think it was cringe? I don't know. I'm conflicted. When I first watched the film and I saw the cave, I thought that the other the mannequin that had nothing on it was supposed to be Jennifer's costume. But then I was like, "There's not anything there. It's just a naked mannequin." So I was like, "Okay, never mind." Little little did you know it. Little did you know it was for. Even though I thought this movie was pretty solid, the mid credit scene, which we'll get to, is the wor- maybe the worst mid credit scene I've ever seen. And <laughs> little did you know this was foreshadowing for that. It, it was, yeah. So Jaime makes a comment that Blue Beetle, while looking at Blue Beetle's gear, that it's like if Batman had ADHD. So do you do you like that remark or not? I don't know. I didn't understand it. It didn't really fit to me. I get that shit's blue, but like, what does that have to do with ADHD? It, stuff kind of looks well, homemade. Is that what he's going other, for? Some other lines he was saying like made it seem like, oh... Like it was partially that the way they were talking about Ted Cord Blue Beetle, they were making it clear he was like second tier. He like wasn't Superman or Flash or Batman, but they were also, I think, maybe implying that like 
he was easily distracted and lacked focus and maybe just kind of did kind of wacky ideas here and there that didn't like fully commit to the superhero lifestyle was sort of the idea I got. Does that make sense? It does, but it didn't make sense in, in the scene because he's looking at Ted Cord's utility belt. I was like, it's a belt. And it looks just like the one he usually wears. Like, I don't understand. I think, it's, I think it's the idea is like the type of like, and you maybe see this later with like the different blue beetle weapons that the family is using. Yeah, they're fucking random. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah there's just kind of random. There's yeah, it's just gimmicky all over the place. Yeah, yeah. gimmicky. Yeah, which George Lopez likes, right? Because he like no. talks about how yeah, Ted Cord actually had a sense of humor, unlike yeah. Batman and the Flash. So I don't know. I, I guess I, it's one of those, I, I'm a kind of of two minds of it. Like, I love, you know, I love Ted Cord. I love Jaime Reyes. I, you know, it's kind of nice, even though I'm pretty immune to it after 20 plus years. It's still sort of nice to see comics characters you think are cool on the big screen. But on the other hand, it was a little bit of the, oh, Blue Beetle's so stupid. We gotta, we gotta protect ourselves with irony and sarcasm from how stupid he is. Yeah, I, I didn't understand. Like, I, I didn't feel that needed to be there. But there is one big thing. There's This is one, it, it's about this time in the film when you really start to figure out that they're comparing two different families here because because of the character of Jennifer. There's this ongoing plot about, you know, family and strong work ethic. There's this ongoing plot about family and a strong work ethic that, you know, that you have to, in order to make it as an immigrant, you have to work really hard and there's just a lot going on. And there's this, and then there's the extended comparison between the poor Latino family and the upper class white family and the cords and how they handle each other. And they're two very different things. And Jennifer's kind of in the middle. Did you buy into this? Um, I thought it was maybe a little overdone, but it wasn't. It's still like, it was fine. I mean, it's fine. Like I, there's a lot of, you can do a lot cringier, like liberal identity politics in this film. I thought, I thought I, I didn't have a big problem with it. Yeah, I felt that the white family and the the cords was a bit exaggerated. But then I'm like, eh, they're probably that probably is not. I just don't. I've never been part of it, so I don't know. As I, someone I who's be been curious. primarily middle class, yeah, I don't. Know. I would be curious to see like what Latino and Pakistani people and you know Latino Americans and Pakistani Americans think of the portrayal of family in these two movies. Cause like on the one hand, I could see I could see them being like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, it's nice to see like a you know a cartoonish but semi-realistic depiction of a family, right? On the other hand, it is kind of interesting that like whereas your white superheroes normally are not so defined by their family, or they're just defined by like oh their dad's dead, their dad's dead, and they're sad about it. It's interesting that like the POC superheroes have to be so defined by their family and have to have their family like so present in their adventures. I mean, it's not as intense with miles in the spider verse movies, but still like his parents are a big focus in that movie too. And so I don't know. It's like on the one hand I could see that as like maybe just being a positive reflection of like, you know, Puerto Rican or Pakistani or uh, Chicano culture. But on the other hand, I could see it kind of being like, of kind of respectability politics of like, well, the only way white audiences will identify with these characters is if we really just bang the family drum, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the idea I'm getting. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know. And I don't want, I don't feel like they're reinforcing any negative stereotypes, which is a good thing for the most part yeah, with yeah, the Latino side with the white side. I mean, yeah, that, that that's, but that's 
how it is sometimes. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And it, it, I, I think too, that like you get the idea that if there ever were a sequel to this, which there's not going to be like Ted being a bad dad to Jennifer would be a part, you know, that would be one of the major plots and then having to come to some sort of reconciliation. And it seems like the, the film wants to suggest that that's partially a product of, his being a rich white guy, but it's also maybe a product of his ADHD that he wasn't a very like attentive father. All right, Bob. So getting back onto the f- subject of the film, Cord does send a security force to capture Jaime, but we're then forced to witness the family uh, being like removed from their home at gunpoint during the middle of the night. Uh, it's a disturbing scene because the dad actually gets punched out. The daughter gets drug out by her collar. Uh, the father has another heart attack and the home is burnt to the ground. You have this like intense scene where uh, Jaime yells like you know Poppy like uh, it's it's yeah yeah it's very emotional and it it's sad because it reminds me of you know, you know that this is probably reminiscent to some people or some illegal immigrants who have been removed from their homes and it's sad because they're just yeah. trying to live their life <laughs> you know? yeah yeah I mean it's definitely trying to play into that and mm-hmm. I guess your mileage will vary whether you find it affecting or kind of overwrought i mean i yeah i thought it was kind of affecting too and i mean i'd also point out it's not just illegal immigrants but when you have a border security system and you have these people like ice empowered to you know go on buses anywhere and demand people show them their papers or you know harass people anywhere oftentimes latinos or chicanos who are our citizens or are legally here it's just a general state of terror that, you know, it's bad enough when it's applied to illegal immigrants, but it's a general state of terror for a lot of people. Well, Bob, Jaime is captured. Uh, Jennifer then takes the family into the bug, which reminded me of that vehicle that Batman uses in the Justice League film. It has the, did it's you, like a spider. Did you watch the Watchmen movie or the Watchmen TV series? I did. Yeah, I watched both. I, I didn't watch either. Did they use, um, what's the Blue Beetle character in Watchmen? Is it Night Owl? Uh, not Owl Man. I think it's Night Owl. Night Owl, yeah, yeah, Night Owl. Did, did they, because, so he has like that owl-shaped thing that's clearly Beetle's bug, right? Correct. Yes. Did they, did so, they play the, that, do they play that up in the movie or the TV series? They play that up in the uh, movie, you know, they have uh, him and Night whatever her name was, have sex in it, just like in the comic. Silk Spectre, I Silk think. Silk Spectre, yeah. <laughs> is, is, it in the, is it in the TV series? I don't think so, no. Not that I'm... That was kind of like my pet theory, is that because of the prominence of the owl ship in the movie and maybe the TV show, that's why they really emphasize Ted Kord's like, flying bug. It's, I mean, it's possible, yeah. But I, I just thought that they had to have some crazy vehicle for them to have, you know, for the good guys. They set up something. And it looked yeah, way too much like the Justice League thing. It is, it is an interesting thing that it's like, obviously, like Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, doesn't need. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of gets but ushered like, in there. Like, we can make a toy yeah. out of this if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, but like, it is pretty useful for like his family, like armed with like Ted Cord technology. That is a, that is kind of a funny plot convenience. Yeah, and the uncle's like, and the uncle, you know, who has driven his taco truck the whole time. You know, now he's whoa, able to whoa, drive whoa. this bug. All right. Oh, is taco truck uh, too much, Bob? Is that is that slight? That's what he calls it. It's the fucking taco truck. Well, no. So I, I was being an oversensitive lib, Matt, because at oh. first I thought it was a car, 
And I was like, damn it, Matt, you're being racist. But then I remembered, I was like, no, it was a truck. I'm being an overseer. Matt's not being racist. <laughs> it was a truck on lifts. Yes, Bob. You're right. You're right. I admitted that you're right. You're not racist. I'm an oversensitive triggered lib. We've established this. You also know more about comics than I do. You know about Carapax. We've established That's this. not true. I don't know more about comics, Bob. I know more about random ass characters that... No, that, that you actually, know more I don't know why that. I even know. I don't know why I know the Carapax thing. Honest Matt, to God, you know, you know about Carapax, and you know about a truck that is named Taco. Can we? Let me tell you what I know about Bob. Susan Sarandon with an Uzi. Had she used the Uzi, that would have been <laughs> the best. That would have given her the, the green light for best villain in the DCU. But she didn't. I mean, she just a, held it. That's a pretty low bar, I think. Yeah. But I'm I'm willing to give it to her. I'm willing to give. Bob, it would you want to fight Susan Sarandon with an Uzi? No, I would not, Matt. I would not. I would neither. Uh, oh, man. Uh, so, Matt, what happens at the end of the movie? Uh, Scarab stops Jamie from killing Carapax. Carapax kills Victoria by blowing himself up. That's that's the big ending. That's your spoiler there, folks. And then we end the film with Jennifer becoming the new CEO of Court Industries. She pays to have their house rebuilt and gives Rudy a new truck. And then Jamie flies off for Jennifer to presumably fuck. So there's yeah, your yeah. plot. Don't forget, Matt, the AI voice of the beetle armor, the scarab armor, gives us an erection joke. Don't yeah. don't ever forget. So my understanding is the white woman saves the day. I no the white the white <laughs> woman makes the white woman the white woman uh, you know she she does an anti racist training. She realizes her and her family's complicity in systems of racism and domination. And then she makes restitution for the harms she and her family have perpetuated. I like that, Bob. That, that's a that's well-spoken, <laughs> so, much better said. So Matt, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I have seemed pretty low energy about this movie. I am pretty low energy about this movie, but it is fine. I would say it and black Adam, I at least appreciate because even though they're not very good movies, they're at least somewhat different ways of doing the superhero film which i guess is the theme of this of this uh episode for me is that anything that gets off the standard track of the superhero film whether that's the marvels or whether that's the chaos that was black adam or whether that's this movie is to the good in a lot of ways maybe it doesn't get far enough off the track of the standard superhero film but nonetheless like the stuff with uh the reyes family is mostly cool the stuff with uh, the stuff with Jenny Cord and Ted Cord is also somewhat interesting. It's not like amazing, but it's somewhat interesting. So I mostly like this. I wish it had been slightly better. Um, I wonder, do you think we're ever going to see Jaime and future like DC stuff under James Gunn? That was the same question I was going to ask you, Bob, because I think that it would be possible to just bring this Blue Beetle into the, the new universe if they needed him. If they need yeah. him for something. Not just shoo him in because they have to. But I don't think you need another. You're not going to reboot Blue Beetle or any of that crap. I think this is fine. This is a good story. Yeah, like point it doesn't seem like there's any reason this movie couldn't still be canon if James Gunn does sort of like soft restart the DC universe, right? Right. And I think they're going to do the same thing with Aquaman. Well, I think the recent quote from Jason Momoa, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but was something like, "He's done with Aquaman, but he's not done with the DCU." And they're thinking that means he's going to be Lobo, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is fine. And like, yeah, I, I you know, to, I kind of wish all superhero movies would stop, but as long as they don't stop, I would like to see, you know, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle show up more. Um, I will say for all my, you know, semi-positive, qualifiedly positive things about this movie, I, I you know, said this earlier, but the mid credit scene of, 
Ted Kord's not dead is the hackiest, like most lazy, most amateurish mid credit scene I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, you just see a shot of the the beetle cave and you see the mannequin that's doesn't have anything on it again, and then you get this message <laughs> from Ted Kord that's all disturbed looking on distorted on the screen, saying he's still alive. He's not dead. Where is he? I don't know. Will we find out? Probably not. And that's okay. <laughs> He's out there with, uh, what's-his-face's Green Lantern, Sinestro. Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. never going to see it come to anything. I mean, that's the that's the real question. Is James Gunn going to bring back Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan? <laughs> or is Deadpool going to make his way into <laughs> DCU extended universe because he's making his way into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, Matt, we've gone a long time. It's certainly been two films. They are certainly two movies. Yeah. You uh, you should man up and watch the Marvels when it hits stream. I will, Bob. When it's released on streaming, I will give it a go because I have watched pretty much all sixteen hours of the other uh, of the, the the. I don't know what do we what do we need to call that? Like that's not homework, but it's prequels. <laughs> prequel the prequels. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Accompanying literature. I don't know what you want to call it. Accompanying. Right. We're going to have to come well, up with a name we'll for that back. kind of thing. I don't know what you call it. We'll, we'll, we'll be back soon for more Uncanny Tracks. We're not sure about what yet, but we'll definitely be back for more. Uh, we'll be higher energy. We'll probably be talking about higher quality stuff. <laughs> I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.